You are listening to Australia's tax news podcast, Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 19 of Tax Talks. This is Heidi Robson. The sole purpose test is the cornerstone of Australia's superannuation legislation. The CIS Act doesn't tell super funds how to invest. Instead, it set a framework with the sole purpose test at its core. Sole purpose doesn't just apply to SMSFs, but to all regulated superannuation funds. The test is set out in subsection 62 of the CIS Act 1993. And then there's also the ATO's current ruling on this, SMSFR 2008-2. But 2008 is not that current and SMSFRs are not binding on the ATO. According to the ATO, the sole purpose test is the most common breach of the CIS Act they see. And so I'm keen to learn more about this. Menor Shabashandani, head of online SMSF auditor, kindly offered to share some thoughts on this topic. My first question to Menosh is, why the sole purpose test is so close to his heart? Here's Menosh. The funds are not being created for the sole purpose, which is for retirement, which is the core purpose or death of a member, so the benefits go to the to the beneficiary. And they're more, more being created just because they're being sold a property. And I don't like residential property in a self-managed super fund because it has a very low return. So I feel that the funds which are being created are not created for the real purpose of why a self-managed super fund should be there. And um, I think I probably share my view with the tax office as well, and they're very concerned with property spookers enticing trustees into buying property uh, with their self-managed super fund. So that's one of the reasons why it's very close to my heart, because I can see in the future a lot of people burning their hands, losing their money, and losing all their super fund balances in the near future. Is it really just residential property or is it property in general? So is it also commercial property? It's about very simple things and people just forget about simple things and they go into complicated things. See, a person who earns less income cannot be rich. A person who earns high income will always be rich. Residential properties usually give you 2 or 3% return if you borrow it till about 70% or thereabouts. And if interest rates go up, it's possible that you go backwards. Uh, Residential property either gives you zero return because you are buying at a higher rate than the rental rate. So it creates a negative. And then you've got a lot of costs. So your contributions, I see so many funds Uh, Because of that negative, the contributions are actually supporting that property. So you are paying someone to live in your house and you're paying your retirement benefits. So that's where the problem is. (laughs) It's, uh, It's pretty mad out there. Let's put it this way. All SMSFs have to lodge a tax return. It's just that it happens that many don't. But by law, they have to lodge a tax return, don't they? Even if they have negative income or even if they have zero income, they have to lodge a tax return, don't they? Yeah, they do. But you see, lodging a tax return, lodging on time, it's a big issue. I don't have the correct figures with me, but I think it's about 30,000 funds which have never lodged. 
So that's out of 600,000. So 5% of super funds have never launched a tax return. So if they've never launched, uh, that there's an issue. There's a big issue. Either there is a possibility that all the money has been withdrawn by the members or there is some reason which the tax office needs to find out or they have lodged but they haven't lodged for three years and there's a big activity going on in the tax office to find out where these people are and some of them are linked to tax agents so they're contacting their tax agents either to chase up their clients or to remove them from their clients profiles from their lodgement program and they're trying to chase up all these lodgements and it's all to do with low balances, non-lodgement, early access. So all of these and all of these issues are like intermingled and uh, it's an issue. Is it just residential investments that you see as an issue around the sole purpose test? It's a lot of house and land packages are sold to self-managed super funds. There are quite a few problems and Bitcoin. So that's, that's the latest fad. So it's multiple of reasons. So it's a cryptocurrency, house and land packages, off-the-plan units, not getting the loans approved at the time of settlement, early access of preserved benefits, and then rollover of less than 200000 That's what the tax office came up with and ASIC came up with. Uh, you must have in a self-managed. Well, I think which is a very, very low figure. I think the figure should be raised to 500000 And then probably there would be a little bit of a curb on the new funds and the sole purpose why the fund is being created. So I think there's a big issue there which the tax office needs to resolve. There's a lot of debate out there about whether a super fund can run a business or not. What are your thoughts? Super fund is not prohibited from conducting a business. In fact, Many super funds who are day traders, buying and selling shares, are actually conducting a business because the nature of their activity is such that it can be called a business. There are many funds who buy and sell property quite often, like more than once in a year. So that could be also categorized as a business. There are a lot of people who develop properties in their super fund. So if you had a million dollars, you could buy a piece of land, say in Queensland, and put a duplex on it and then sell it. So that could be considered as a business. So there's nothing uh, which uh, prohibits the trustee to actually conduct a business. So businesses are generally allowed, but you have to make sure that you don't breach Section 62. That is, you know, there are certain risks. You cannot employ related parties. You should not get any current day benefit out of that business. And um, what price you're paying. So if you're buying a property from a related party, the transaction should be at arm's length and all of those issues. And the kind of risk which you are taking as a trustee, whether you're borrowing or not and things like that. So if you watch all of those, uh, you'll be uh, still all right. But businesses like the super fund conducting a business like buying a news agency and employing the trustee would be probably uh, crossing the line a bit. But I see many accountancy practices which are owned by a trust and four or five super funds are actually owning the units in that trust. So, you know, that, that sort of a thing is still okay. So you have to see where you draw the line and where your auditor is comfortable with. But a general buying a block of land, subdividing, building a duplex and selling or buying and selling shares as often as you wish, 
are all considered to be businesses and many super funds actually are conducting those businesses as long as you don't miss the sole purpose test that is all the benefits are for for the retirement or for the dependents uh, there's uh, one other issue which concerns me which is related to the sole purpose what happens is that a person goes to someone who's put a scheme into place where he allows you to access your money before preservation age so i'm looking at new migrants who come into the country and they have no money to put a deposit for a house and they get attracted to in their ethnic community to somebody who can help them to access their super and there was a case some time back and the case is called the kasango case where a lot of community members went to him and he ran a scheme where he set up his own fund and he added new members and after adding new members monies were rolled over after the rollover he kept a commission for himself and then he paid the remaining money to the member so the money was actually paid out in fact almost 200 of these rollovers happened in the kasango super fund so the legislators what they have done is they have made a rule now that the new rule for the first home buyers you cannot withdraw more than $75000 i think uh, the legislators should look at the problem of first home buyers a little bit more seriously and after all self managed super fund has a sole purpose for retirement your own principal place of residence is also for retirement so i think the legislators should need to look at self managed super fund or superannuation fund in a different angle altogether and they should allow access uh, for first home purchase and they have to be a little bit more liberal than the $70000 which they have so that these people do not end up with people like kasango who actually ended up in jail so early access is linked uh, sometimes to the need of that person and if that need is uh, to buy a principal place of residence i think the legislators should think about because uh, house prices have gone up now and it's very difficult to buy a house in all the major cities so i think the legislators need to spend some time and think about this problem and allow and there were some commentators who said that when you sell a house you know how the downsizer contributions are there you're allowing the person to contribute 300000 yeah. when you sell a house so why don't you allow 300000 withdrawals if you want to buy the principal place of residence you know so this is something which needs to be thought mm-hmm. about because it all comes in the gambit of the sole purpose what is the purpose the purpose of superannuation is to buy a principal place of residence at the moment it's not but that's what it should be as well so we should direct our governments to think in that direction as well because it's our kids who will face the problems in years to come do you see it more often that an smsf just holds the units in a unit trust in a trading trust and then the business is actually run out of the trading trust or do you also often see business actually being run within the smsf look it depends on uh, the scale of the business and obviously balance of the super fund so if a super fund had 5 million in there they could do a good size property development themselves but 
if the super fund does not have enough money so quite a few relatives and friends get together and then they set up a fixed unit trust and then all the resources of the member because you can also contribute as long as the trust does not borrow so four or five family members can have four or five separate self managed super fund and putting all their efforts together so businesses can be done together with other super funds uh, because there is a limitation on how many members you can have in a super funds limited to four so it's a mixture it's a mixed bag the auditor needs to be a little bit more careful because if he sees that the money is going to a related party related trust and if that trust is borrowed so you have to be a little bit careful to see whether there's a problem or not but let's put it this way if a investment is in a related trust there would be some kind of a smoke and usually when there is smoke there's always fire so there's always problems when you see those kind of arrangements Welcome back. The sole purpose test is complex. Think of the first home super saver scheme that is coming into effect on 1st of July 2018. The Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees and many others have voiced serious concerns that this scheme breaches the sole purpose test since its aim is to finance a first home and that is neither a core nor an ancillary purpose listed in the SIS Act. In the next episode, episode 20, David Moss of Merit Worth in Sydney will talk about the issue of converting a tris directly to an AVP. Until then, thank you for listening. Bye for now and see you in the next episode. <laughs>